Once again, it's been a little while, um, but we're back again. We've got everyone here. Uh, and today we're going to be doing an album review. Uh, now, you know, some people might be expecting us to do a, a certain album or a certain era based on some of the recent reviews that we've been doing. They've been, you know, fairly chronological in reverse order. Um, today we're going to tackle something else. Uh, recently it was the 20 year anniversary, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, of Batman. Yes. Yep. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Everything Batman, but everything related to the the soundtrack, the 1989 soundtrack album. Um, now, there were actually two soundtrack albums. One, obviously, that featured the music of whoever the composer Danny was. Danny Elfman was, there I you think go. it was. That's right. Uh, and then this one, obviously, which was the, um, the uh, fully-fledged Prince as a solo, uh, as a full band, um, you know, playing everything, making everything himself. Um, nine songs of pure bliss. Am I right, guys? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mate, all right, maybe not. We'll get into it. We'll see. At least, at least we'll eight. <laughs> eight out of nine's not bad. Well, you don't like scandalous? What's wrong with you? Come on, man. Um, Can I just butt in? Now I'm going to butt in with an old nostalgic story here. All right, let's start it up. I was what nine when this movie came. No, seven when this movie came out. And you know, being a seven-year-old, I fell in love with the movie. And uh, my dad actually bought the soundtrack, the Prince album, thinking it was the Danny Elfman score. <laughs> and so we had it for like two days. And um, but this is back in the days when you could actually return CDs. And he returned it to get the proper soundtrack. And, you know, it, I only had it for two days, but I, I still attribute that as to like a subconscious reason as to why I became such a big Prince fan later on. Because I had this album for two days and then suddenly it yeah. was gone. Yeah, arms for like Ryan, 10 years. on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> that, that started, for you. Yeah. That's where it started. Yep. <laughs> really? So where where would you place this album now? Is it still one? Is it is it just the sentimental value or what? I think the sentimental value takes it higher than it probably is. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. It's not in my top five, but I do tend to listen to it a lot more than a lot of other albums. Okay. It makes but, you feel young again. That's right. It brings a tear <laughs> to my eye. <laughs> All right. Is, has anyone got anyone else got any special stories about this one? I'll say, yeah. I I just remember it being really big. Like everyone was talking about Batman, and everyone was going. When I went to the cinema to see it, it it was packed. And Mm. yeah, it it was just crazy because this album was out and it was all over the charts, and everyone was talking Batman. So it was a bit like Purple Rain all over. How it was like a cross media thing. You heard it on the radio and you saw it in the movies. It was just everywhere. Mm. I'll just say Bat Dance was probably the first song I ever heard that I realised who Prince was. Like oh, I, really? Okay. I probably heard earlier stuff, but it was, you know, another singer. But Bat Dance was the first song that I remember. Oh, that's that guy. That's that guy. That's that weird guy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you've thought was, that ever since. Pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, that was the first song that I knew. That's that, that's that guy. <laughs> anyway. 
Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I haven't got anything to say about this about being introduced to this album, other than I bought it after I was well into my fandom of um, of Prince music. Um, I would have been what five or six when the movie and album came out, and, and really have no recollection of either. I think I only ever saw the movie uh, years later. Um, not a bad movie, by the way, but um, yeah, I've, it's not on high rotation since I got it. Um, it wasn't on high rotation for the album review, although I have listened to it. But um, I'm sure it's going to strike a chord differently with a few different people. And just interesting to know, before we get into the Batman review, for, for all our listeners out there, uh, all of them inclusive. Um, <laughs> the um, We've got some the, big fans out there. Uh, yeah, we surely do. Um, some very interesting ones. But back to the Batman um, situation, I guess all, all albums... All album reviews and, and topics that we discuss, I think it's interesting also to note, um, you know, we're from a certain era. Uh, I, I don't think any of us could claim to have been present at any of the um, early tours or shows. Uh, in fact, some of us um, uh, hadn't seen him until, you know, went in well into his career, so as far as, you know, live concerts go, etc. So, um, it definitely a portion of the fan base... Um, what, what, are we Generation X or Y? I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't get into that argument. But you, you were all saying you're seven when it came out, and I'm thinking I wasn't. <laughs> I definitely wasn't. I was twelve, thirteen. So I don't know. Uh, okay, all right. I don't know. Maybe we've got our maths wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, we're certainly in, in a certain era uh, of, of music fans. But um, yeah, just a side note. Um, now, okay, let's get back into the album review. 20 years. Has, has anyone got the date? It was, was June it was... something. I think it was June 6... Uh, it wasn't his birthday. It was June something, though. Might have been okay. 16th. I've got June okay. 20th in my head, but I don't know why. It just pops out. So I right. might be wrong. I think that's when the movie came out. Yeah? Okay. I think. Yeah. I remember. We're, we're, not, we're not far off. And, and I guess some of the tracks... Um, the basis for some of the songs was used in the movie, weren't they? I remember especially vividly that um, the, the scene with um, Jack Nicholson as the Joker. What are they doing? Um, they're basically terrorizing Kim Basinger, aren't they? Yeah, in the art music. like a restaurant or something. Um, Jack, Jack, yeah. Jack made that movie. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could have replaced the Batman with anyone, even Kim, Kim Basinger. You could have replaced with anyone, <laughs> but Jack Nicholson, he he was that movie. Yeah. yeah, and I think he was the primary reason of him getting Prince into the movie as well. Yes, mm. I've heard that. Yeah, so thank you, Jack. Very interesting. Good work, Jack. Um, okay, well, let, let's get into the album. June twentieth is correct. Okay, June twentieth released nine tracks. Um, I believe Tim Burton, the director, Jack Nicholson, and probably a few other people were fans and obviously requested Prince to do it. Why he did it, we'll never know, and I'm not saying that as a negative connotation, but he obviously agreed to it for one reason or another. Maybe like the music, I don't know, but... I, uh, sorry, the, the movie, but um, I do recall in interviews, and I don't know, I can't remember whether they're recent ones or older ones, where he has referenced the Batman, the old Batman theme song is one of the first songs that he learned mm. to play on piano, wasn't yeah. that right? Yeah, he's right. it on Oprah, I think. Yeah, I think he even mentioned it on Rove, actually, you know, yeah. when he did yes. that interview. Um, so, they, you know, that's interesting to note. There might be some sort of... Um, he's got a soft spot for Batman. Yeah, maybe. Not in that way, though. <laughs> um, I will never know. 
<laughs> let's see if the songs can give us a clue. Uh, it's a nine-track album. Uh, it starts off. Let's get. Let's head straight into it now, Enough gentlemen. Fuff- let's broaden our minds. Fuffly. <laughs> very good. Very good. What is it? Um, Lewis? Oh, I don't know what he says. I Lawrence. can't remember the name. Is it Florence? Florence? <laughs> I, I, I never really understood it. I always it's Lawrence. It's Lawrence. Yeah, it's Lawrence. That's right. Lawrence. Okay. Um, let's go straight into the future. Cha, cha. Track number one. Uh, who wants to take the floor for this? Oh, don't all come at, at me at once. Uh, how about Captain? What do you think about the future? The future. Oh, I, I of the song? knew if I didn't say anything, I'd still end up going first. So. <laughs> yeah, that worked out well. Uh, the future. It's this cold, stripped-down, funky, sinister strings and, and and the choir. You got the the sounds of blackness choir in there. And something strange is this track opened. Nerd Tour, which was this big back to basics thing, and this album was like that too. I mean, Love Sexy was this insanely complicated thing, and then you listen to the future, it's just a drum and a couple of synths. Mm. It's the same idea, I think. He kept going, and um, yeah, uh, what am I talking about? Hey, future, it's the opening song, and it sets. Oh, I, I read this thing. It set the stage for the dark future that the Joker has in mind for Gotham City. So there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. It's Whatever you say. Somehow related to the movie. I don't know. <laughs> but it's, you got the strings, which I read somewhere, were by Claire Fisher, and then sampled from Crystal the, Ball. From Crystal Ball, mm. which is interesting. And, yeah, you got the sounds of Blackness Choir in there. I've got to say this. I never heard this before in my life, but when I was researching for this, I saw just in one place, one person said it. After Love Sexy, he was planning on doing a gospel album. And I've never heard that before in my life. Okay. But then he was together with this sound of Blackness Choir. That's how they ended up on the future, because he had started recording some stuff with them. And I thought that was interesting because I've never heard about this so-called gospel album he was going to do after Love Sexy. I heard heard that um, the Love Sexy project was going to be a trilogy and it was going to be Love Sexy and then in 1989 it was going to be Rave and then it was going to be Graffiti Bridge and that was the trilogy. Because, yeah, yeah, Rave was around 88, 89. Yeah, Yeah. and like I think songs on that was going to be like God is Alive and all that sort of stuff. So... Mm. He probably mm-hmm. had the choir and all that in that, but then it got bumped off for this Batman project. So. Oh, that would have been good. Mm. Well, I've never heard of that, but it would definitely make sense. He, a few songs, and I think more so than any other era in his career, um, some subsequent songs were really tinged with that gospel element. I know, um, obviously, a little bit on this album, but more so on Graffiti Bridge, much more. And then, you know, the work that he did with Mavis... Uh, Staples, maybe that was mm. part of it. He kind of passed it on to her or collaborated with her. Mm. Uh, and then even going into Diamonds and Pearls, I think there's um, there's a few. Um, I mean, Willing and Able, that's probably the most uh, overt example. But um, mm. yeah, no, I never heard that. Interesting. Uh, one more thing about the future. Uh, you've just got this bass line, this relentless bass line that just goes through the whole track and then you've got some funky guitar in there. But the funniest thing in this song is some of the synth lines short little things they remind me of this South Park episode where uh, 
Philip Glass did the Christmas play, and it was um, non-offensive, non-denominational school play. And some of the things in the future just remind me of the episode, if anyone remembers the one. It was hilarious. I don't, but they came completely out of left field. That's the thing that's great about this show. We really bring up everything, don't we? (laughs) We cover all bases. I mean, I'd I'd never know Philip Glass unless I saw that South Park episode, so... But yeah, that's all. Speaking of Philip Glass, I just want to put out a a big shout-out. I'm not very familiar with his work, but I have heard a few interesting pieces. Sounds like a very interesting composer, so I just wanted to put that out there. I don't know if we've got any fans in the house, but yeah, interesting guy. I can definitely see the connection, though, between Philip Glass and those synth lines you're talking about. Yeah. This kind of... Sinister. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I'm thinking more just like the sample sort of collage kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay, I'm done. Interesting. All right, I'll jump in and quickly say that I think this is an okay track. Uh, It's an interesting choice, an interesting opener. Um... I guess, you know, you're opening with a bit of a statement by, you know, not only the title, but what the song's about. Um, I think the lyrics are are quite good. Uh, They're obviously strange and eerie, complementing the music. Um, But but it is funky. Yeah, the the strings are nice. I I kind of, I I get the sense that um, it's unfinished to a degree, or maybe the intention was to keep it that raw and minimalistic, but I kind of think there's a, there was a lot more potential. The, the strings kind of, they're, they're, they're nice and airy and breezy, but they come in and they they go away, I think, all too quickly. Um, again, probably intentional. The guitar is tight, definitely um, tight, but a bit short. I, I think the beat is a bit pedestrian, actually. I know, Captain, you mentioned the bass line, and um, it's it's un it's unrelentless, but it's it's really nothing too memorable. I can't, I can't I don't know. It's a really basic beat. Mm. It's a very simple thing. It's almost like you just did it on a you know had some breakfast and then and then you know got together this beat and this bass line and you know for maybe for someone else it'd um, it'd be a bit more impressive. But you know in his whole body of work, it's fairly pedestrian. I think the other thing I'll, I'll just finish in closing by comparing this song that came out in 1989 to a song by Leonard Cohen also entitled The Future. I don't know if anyone's familiar with it, but that by far is a... Now I know I hope we don't cop too much I don't cop too much personal flag for this but I don't really care anyway, I'm just going to say it. Uh, the, the Leonard Cohen track is is far better it's it's superior on every level um, especially lyrically for, for no, you know, for obvious reasons, um, musically better, delivery better, and it's just got a lot more substance. Um, is it a similar future, kind of vibe? Or? Oh, it's very different. I mean, he Cohen's uh, is basically it's like a social commentary. He basically says, "I've seen the future, and it's murder," and that's similar to "I've seen the Ooh. future, and it will be." But he talks about you know. The taking this and taking that and stuffing it up the hole in your culture and give me back <laughs> Tiananmen Square, give me Stalin and St. Paul, give me crack and, you know, sex and all that kind of stuff. So he's talking about he's talking about completely different things, but it's an amazing song. For anyone listening to this podcast, check out Leonard Cohen, The Future, and actually get familiar with a lot of his other work. But um, I, unfortunately, knowing that song, always think this is just a really a... Uh, almost a throwaway so um i'll let um toe jam take over from there oh man i love this song i think it's awesome uh i love the um of course you did 
Of and course what, you would. You got it when you were seven years old, remember? That's right, that's right. <laughs> this is the one I remember. Um, I, I, again, I love the, the rolling bass, in, bass line the whole way through this almost Jaws-like sort of subconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favourite part of this whole song is that guitar scratch sample. That's cool. That is that is cool. Yeah. <laughs> and this whole song is really like a whole lot, just a whole lot of samples. Him just mucking around with samples. Like he's made the samples, obviously, but it's you know it's made to sound like he's they're playing it, but it's not. It's just him like you know either programming it in or, or pressing a sample pad or something like that. And that's what I love about the song. It that's to me that's what makes the song you know the future. Is it almost like saying this is the future in the terms of the Batman thing that he's doing but it's also the future of the music that I want to get into which he really got into in Con Graffiti Bridge and that kind of thing so for that aspect I, I really like that and um, again fitting in with the Batman theme it's it's kind of this melancholy dark song and he's but he's got this you know this choral like he could have used the choir in a traditional way but he hasn't again he's sampled it he's mucked around with it, it and again it's kind of saying yeah this is the future of music kind of thing um, samples samples is the future of music yeah almost <laughs> yeah, he wasn't far off I tell you what <laughs> it's just the way he uses them like he like he does it with the horns and the uh, choir throughout the entire album kind of like you think it's someone just recording it and then he'll just play it on a sample like an octave lower or an octave higher just, it makes you think man this, there's a lot of effort's gone into this I think uh, I, I don't know why I don't get the feeling that he's put a lot of effort into this tracks I don't know yeah I just not that he's put the effort in, but it's just, I don't know, it just seems fresh. It seems fresh to me after what he'd done before that. I uh, got that same thing, though, because, I mean, Love, Love Sexy to me is very analogy. Yeah, this, this And is then fun. this is the first, like, digital thing that that's he's right. done, and he maxed it out yeah, on the samples and everything else. Like, there's plenty of samples in Love Sexy, but again, yeah, you're right, it has that analog sound to it. Yeah. Um... What else have I got for the future? And, yeah, again, the Claire Fisher Orchestra, like, it's just one of those things you could put in in any kind of song, it's going to work, even if he has sampled it from another song. But awesome stuff. Awesome opener to an album. <laughs> okay, player, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with Tejam. It's a, it's a very dark track. It gives a mood to the movie in, of Gotham City and Batman. Um, it's a great beat that constantly loops, no fills, no cymbal crashes, and it's all sort of intertwined with this popping bass that he's got going. Um, I like the keyboard part that he used in the track. It's it's the same sort of preset sound that he used in the Graffiti Bridge movie whenever Aura comes into the scene. Um, uh, the use of the samples, the choir, the strings from Crystal Ball. Um, the lyrics are a little bit bleak, such as the ecstasy drug reference, but very poetic. Um, the end of the song's a little strange, though. That's all I would change of it is the end where, where it says think about the future um should have been the start of the song yeah maybe um just overall the, the song fits in with the concept of the album the movie and it's a great way to kick off the CD alright alright um after that things change up as they always do into track number two electric chair cause I'm guilty <laughs> great song I'm taking over I'm taking this over <clears throat> why don't I feel like um, you guys are with me on this this is a great song yeah um, I don't really got like some, it actually <laughs> it's got some great <laughs> lyrics uh, I love the line and this isn't verbatim but 
uh, the, you know, obviously with the, the reference where he, where he says something like "lock," you know, um, "lock me up for all the, that goes on in my mind" or something along along those lines. I just love that. Um, if a man is guilty for what goes on in his mind, all the rest of it, I just think that's such a great way of putting it, putting it um, very, very creative lyrically. And um, he, he's not always at the, on that level, so I've got to give big, big points to that. I agree. It's one of his better lyrics, I think. Just that whole that concept. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great metaphor, um, um, or metaphorical way of putting things. Nice and bright guitars um, in the chorus, and what's interesting by that is um, they're supplemented by the funky guitar breaks in the verses, and and I think that makes that gives the song a very interesting um, feel. It kind of start stopish, um, and he's obviously playing different chords. Um, to a degree that that that, that differentiates uh, differentiates a little bit. Um, it's it's basically major with the in the bass. <laughs> that's and that's what he plays. That's what he plays straight after. Straight after what? He says after like he a says D flat it. major and E in the bass. Ah, uh, uh, the, uh, okay, that's right. Yes. So um, then, I mean, basically, it's a come on, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, to me anyway. Um, it's it's a come on track, uh, and, and it's it's pretty. Come on, would you come on? Pretty, it's pretty eighties in the in its production, and what I mean by that is that it's bright. I mean the the, the treble's quite high. Um, he's got a lot of synths in there and everything, um, but it's it's kind of like love sexy on, on on acid in a sense to me. It's just he's given it a bit of oomph. Yeah, it's not quite that warm, analog, fuzzy sound. It's it's got some nice soloing, and it really has a graffiti bridge feel to it to me. Very similar to "Can't Stop This Feeling I Got" and "Elephants and Flowers" and things like that. In the in the production sense, I can definitely hear that. There's a nice um, Hendrick reference there for probably about three to five seconds. If anyone spotted that um, on on guitar, and um, actually right towards the end of the track, there's also another reference that references Escape some of the um, instrumental parts in Escape and I'm thinking oh that was around the same time as well so he's he's put a few songs into or, or elements of a few songs into one there I just think it's a sly trippy um, uh, come on get your come on type of thing so yeah a pretty big fan and, and I guess I was converted more so after seeing the Saturday Night Live performance I'll leave it there yeah. Toe Jam Oh, you're throwing it to me. Um, yeah, no, this is a, another cool track. Um, the the lick on the guitar always reminds me of like a, a Rolling Stones song. Um, I don't know why, but it just reminds me of that sort of 60s hard rock kind of lick. And I like the way he's kind of updated it to make it more 80s sounding. Uh, um, I think my favourite part of this song is um, just the beat, the, the kick drum beat, the way he kind of hits this one beat that's a little bit earlier than you'd expect. Uh, like, you know, a normal song like this would go dum dum ching dum dum ching dum ching dum ching where he, he yeah, goes dum dum ching dum dum ching dum ching That one just comes in that tiny bit earlier than you're yeah, expecting. Yeah, yeah. And I like that a lot. Um, some really cool sus chords all the way through, and I love the way... He, he references the chord he's about to play. I think that's such a cool, cool thing to do. Um, I also like 
uh, towards the end of the song, there's a couple of background vocals that uh, I can't remember how they go off the top of my head, but it's like, ow, 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 ow. And yeah. I like that sort of almost doo wopish kind of background vocals. Um, one thing I don't like about the song is the, the lyric, the trippy picture shoot. <laughs> I was waiting it's for just, someone to bring that up. It's just like I had to check the lyric book. Is that what he's actually saying? A trip to shoe? What the hell does that mean? And it just sounds like a real throw-off. Like I need a word to rhyme with with you, shoe, yeah. and I've got shoe. That'll have to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but does shoe mean show? Does it? Because, because picture show makes sense. Yeah, that would make sense. But it doesn't so, rhyme, so it's shoe. Rhyme it with you. <laughs> He should have um, just said, I've got a brown shoe. Would have been loads better. <laughs> and I've got a brown shoe, yeah. <laughs> Put me on the electric chair. I'm wearing brown shoes with <laughs> And, um, yeah, my one other little thing I like is um, he's obviously got the chord progression that goes, and then I've got it written down here. One minute 57. He changes the chord just slightly. Dun, 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 and then it, dun, it's slightly different. I just like those little subtle differences that he throws in. Um yeah, that's all I got to say about that one. It's pretty rocking, pretty rocking. All right, player, step on in. Yep, another funky track, another one that features a lot of bass that intertwines in and out of the beat. I really like how the, how he does that. Um, great rhythm guitar and lead guitar. Um, what guitar pedal setup or effects he had in this 1988-89 era is my all-time favourite Prince guitar sound. <laughs> it's just a, like a nasty, unique tone. Um, the lyrics I really dig as well. I saw your friend first. That's who I dance with all the time I was watching you. How good hell, is that? Hell, <laughs> I even done that. You know, <laughs> most people, if they really like someone to get into their inner circle, they get to know the friend first oh, yeah, to make you it go easier to, to that's, connect. That's yeah. Way. Yeah. With the, and then hit up the person they're really after. <laughs> um, great one-liners. My brain is jacking all over the place. <laughs> I mean, Ali Prince can do that. <laughs> And the concept, Wait, like, it doesn't sound wrong when he does it as well. It's just strange. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole concept of what you said, MC, the chorus of being punished for nasty thoughts, um, it's the only stuff that Prince could come up with. And I agree with you, the SNL appearance of this track rocks as well. The debut performance of Michael B on the drums mm. can't be denied. And Candy yeah. as well. Yeah. And was that, that was with um, Margie Cox, wasn't it? Yeah, Prince Russian and everyone. That was crazy. Because Margie Cox later, she came back and did Standing at the Altar, which I really like that song. That's a great little pop song. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll continue. You're up anyway. volumes. (laughs) Yeah. Electric Chair just rocks the shit out of your stereo. <laughs> the, the bass on this track is some serious bass. He was playing around yeah. with this digital shit, <laughs> and it's got some bass. <laughs> I really like this song from the the massive eighties reverb on the snare drum, which just blows your head off. And then you got these like guitar licks after almost every lyric he says. And the backing vocals are really good as the song goes on. There's some great backing vocals. And then you've got the guitar solos. It's all good. There's, there's nothing bad about this song except the end. When it goes to this stop, start, just do something else. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Okay? Break just down. do something else. Oh, you know, uh, I kind of feel like, like, like an infant talking about this album now. From the point of view of um, my experiences with it, I haven't heard it 
that often. I, I would, I, I've heard it, you know, various times. But one thing I haven't done, I've never listened this uh, to this album from start to finish on headphones, and I've done that with virtually every other Prince album that he's ever released. Maybe I should go back and do that because some of the points that I'm that I'm hearing, I definitely kind of didn't hear, um, and maybe you don't hear when you're listening on your computer or on, or even on a stereo when it's not loud and up in your face. Because electric I chair on headphones is some serious shit. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> a good got album some bass and it's got some backing vocals that just blow your brains out. Yeah, good stuff. I'm gonna have to go back and do that for sure. Um, all right, well, let's go straight into track number three and closing out the first third of the album is uh, a song by the name of Arms of Orion. And if, people, if you're not familiar with it, don't worry. It's not a big deal to forget. Um, <laughs> it's basically a travesty. I'll, I'll just be up front and, and let you know oh, what it is. No. It's, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand it. I don't know what, what or where or who Orion is. I don't care. I don't care for the song at all, and and I think it does deserve to be slagged as much as it has. Because it, and, and rest in peace, Mr. Vandross. But it just sounds like Luther Vandross and and, <laughs> so, and some, you know, second rate. What, did I just say second rate? She yep. actually appears on the Prince song as well. But um, seventh rate, like a yeah, seventh rate singer. <laughs> the only good thing, and funnily enough, after after kind of slagging it off the top, uh, without giving, you know, too many. Um, substantial reasons the only good thing that that I can find in this song is the vocal performances and what I mean by that is I think specifically the two voices they just tend to go together I think there's a there's there's a chemistry in the not, not between the two singers but definitely between their voices on the song they that it's just an interesting sound and a very rare very rarely do you hear Prince duet at all, and when he does, it doesn't sound like this. I, I, I thought it sounded interesting. Lame, but interesting. Um, <laughs> it's vocal chemistry. Yeah. and the just, like, th- just like Paula Abdul and MC Scat Cat. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Hey, that's the first word I think of when I think of duets. <laughs> the, the only other thing I'll say is that uh, Prince's vocals are... Um, I don't know, his voice sounds good, but I, I don't like the way he sings. I think it's lame. So I'll give it up to Captain. What do you think about Arms of Orion? I like this song. But I don't think it's a particularly good song. That's that's the difference. <laughs> I, I admit Hold on, not, this is... <laughs> I admit it's not a great song. I'll give you the next half an hour to explain exactly what you're talking about. Hey, I <laughs> Islands in the Stream is one of my favourite songs, but I know it's crap, but that's fine. Okay. No, I like this song. I know it's not a great song, but I like it. And you said you don't know who Orion is and whatever, but I found somewhere it's supposed to be a duet between Bruce Wayne and Vicky Vale. However, that works in the movie. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, that, mm, if that makes yeah. sense to anyone. But, you know, it's a sad... It's, I don't know if it's a sad love song or if it's a happy love song. I haven't figured that out yet because I don't really listen to I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> You got the piano and the strings, and yeah, I don't really mind it. I've, every review I read about it just slammed it to death. As, as it's this sickly, sick, syrupy, sappy song. It is though. But there's place in the world for sickly, sweet, sappy love songs. Isn't yeah, but there? not on this show, not on this program, <laughs> not on this podcast. Not on there isn't. Album. <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. I know it's not the best song he's ever written. That's for sure. But 
it's okay. But one thing that was... Sheena sounds okay, but the weird thing is they're singing together, but Sheena's singing the lead vocal. Prince is doing the harmony, which is weird because you'd expect him to do the lead and someone else would do the harmony. Mm. Which I I never noticed it until I was really listening to it the last couple of weeks. And he's singing harmony for majority of the song. And she's singing the lead vocal, which is... And he's he's singing lower register as well for most of it. I think that's why it sounds a bit lame, though, because he's singing the harmony. He can't do anything too obvious because then it wouldn't work. Then there wouldn't be that vocal chemistry, work. I think. <laughs> but hang on, Captain. I, I remember a few podcasts ago. I forget which one, but you said every Prince album has its dodgy song, and you said Graffiti Bridge had Graffiti Bridge, and then you said Batman had Arms of Orion. Hmm. So is this a dodgy? According song? to general uh, general consensus, yes, this is the dodgy track on this album. <laughs> but I don't think it is. There's another track I'll reserve for the dodgy track on this album. Oh, okay. But generally. Lemon Arms of Orion is thought, hey, how'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was Generally, drinking lemonade, I took a guess. Generally, Arms of Orion is considered the crap song on this album. And I agree, it's not great, but I still like it. There are one or two songs I like less than Arms of Orion on this album. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. There we go. Shania, where are you at? Player, what do you think about Arms of Orion? Well, I know what the Arms of Orion is. It's the constellation of stars that when you go out at night and look up in the sky, you see a turkey. <laughs> oh, this, oh, this is a turkey, all right. Yeah, this is a turkey. <laughs> I actually, if you, if you were to compare this in the Batman frame, this is the Joker of the album. Um, <laughs> the highlight of the song is the piano, but overall it's just a cheesy duet. But a nice sentiment. Could have been a little shorter because you can quite easily snooze off during this song. Yeah. Um, the synth ending is also a highlight of the song, but out of this and the other ballad that features on this album, this one's the week out of the two. Mm. This just reminds yeah. me of like My Endless Love, like a Lionel Richie, <laughs> Diana Ross sort of thing. Something like that. It's eh? very syrupy, yeah. Hey you, hey me. <laughs> but I remember when the, when, the, when the Batman soundtrack came out and I first started listening to it, I didn't mind this song, but over time it's just, it's just worn off. It's just, yeah, no good. Uh, yeah, this is the word I've got here circled is sappy. It's just sappy. Mm. Um, and the one thing I really don't like about it, and it's the same thing that killed Kama Sutra for me, is I just don't like fake violins and fake orchestra sounds. I'd, I'd prefer to hear them him record it with a real orchestra. It just, I don't know, like, it just sounds cheap to me. Like, he's just grabbed some keyboard, put on the auto, you know, the preset violin sound and just played it all, played along. And yeah, as I said, it just it just kills it for me. Um, it doesn't sound genuine at all. It just sounds like a sad ballad. I think I I don't like the um... sorry. Am I still online? You're online. Yep. Sorry, I thought I heard something and I went off. Where was That's I? That's all right. That's what Arms of Orion does to you. <laughs> <laughs> he fell asleep. Um... <laughs> During the review, <laughs> just, just thinking last, of it. I just remember last time, like I raved on for like two minutes, and then I'm like, guys, guys, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, okay, um, I don't like the vocals, the, the way that they're arranged. I, like we were saying, um, Sheena doing the high and Prince doing the low. I think Sheena Easton actually embarrasses herself on this song. It just, I don't like, I don't like her vocals in this song at all. I That's do. All I can say. 
Well. <laughs> um, and the only other thing I've got here is that it's a similar meaning to Somewhere Here on Earth, the song where it's talking about, you know, two people loving each other on the other ends of the world. And that's all she wrote on Arms of Orion. I'll just say, okay. as you said, it doesn't sound genuine. It doesn't. It doesn't sound genuine at all. It sounds like he just wrote a song because he needed a ballad to go in the Batman movie. Why would you want to listen to something that isn't genuine, though? But that brings me to think, okay, he wrote this song to fit with the movie, but then that just brings me back to thinking, why did he accept to do it in the first place at all? What was his thinking behind, yeah, hey, I'll do the soundtrack? Dollars. It must have been. I just don't see why he would. Don't when forget, he, guys, don't forget, this was released as a single as well. It was. Oh, yeah. my God. But so, so was Insatiable. What and country? He always picks weird there songs was no, from ballads. Yeah, there was no video, but... No, a, there wasn't. Oh, what was it the, wasn't a video. Arms of Orion. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was the... Um, I've got the single. That's a nice it, single. Yeah, it's the black background. With the, <laughs> Captain, you've told us how much you love the song. <laughs> Enough already. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a nice little CD, too. It's black with a purple background. With a purple background, yeah. <laughs> That's probably the most interesting thing of the song. <laughs> is that it came with a different coloured bat symbol. Yeah, well, Party Man was yellow. Scandalous was red. Yeah. What else was there? Bat Dance was just black. The normal Batman symbol. But what was the B-side of Arms of Orion? I Loved You in Me, which is... Yeah, oh, God, now that's a song. Yeah, see, see? that should have gone on. See? That could have been a better song than this. I don't know why I just said that, but <laughs> it's a great song. <laughs> because the, the lyrics... If, yeah, okay. Twisted is one way to put it. Um, we got to do a B-side track. All right. Everyone, wake up. Because... What is it? Gentlemen. New king in town. <laughs> Gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> track number four. I rock the party. I rock the house. Party man. Who wants this? Oh, player, you're, you're, you can't contain yourself. I'm a party what do you man. Think, there you go. What do you think about this? Well, I reckon this is one of the highlights, not only of this album, but Prince's whole repertoire. It's mm. straight-up funk track that follows the funk formula. Um, yeah. Basic, nonsensical lyrics. Again, pop and bass. I mean, if you've seen that um, documentary, I think uh, Captain was talking about it earlier, where he's just sitting in Paisley Park just thumping away it's just it's amazing so um, I think in the movie they originally had Baby on a Star in the rough cut and this was the substitute which is pretty damn good substitute if you ask me um, the video is one of my all time favourites because it doesn't look cheap and it has a little bit of a storyline or concept to it um, 12 inch was one of the last great 12 inches that he released before the singles became outsourced remixes uh, live, especially on the new tour, it was a full-on workout. Even the Game Boys couldn't ruin it. Um, <laughs> as much as they tried. <laughs> I can't rate this track, especially the extended 12-inch mixes high enough. And, of course, yeah, the, um, the Prince documentary, as I was saying, with the slap and bass, takes it to a whole other level. It's a great song. It's just too short. Because when you hear the 12-inch and then you go back and hear the album, it's just like, uh, it's just too short. It's got to go on. Yeah, I've, I've never heard the 12-inch. Oh, I'm... you are joking. <laughs> You're no, I've never... Out. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never heard the 12-inch of Party Man. I can't believe you said that. 
I said it. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to seek it out. Obviously, by your reactions, I've never heard the twelve inch of, of this particular song. I've heard other twelve inches, um, but from what I know, I'm sorry. This is an awesome, an awesome track. Uh, it's a funky dance floor killer. And you know what? One of the things um, I, I thought that player was just about to touch on this, but but really, what does it for me? is the sense of humour. I mean, it's just, like, silly and... Yeah, you, you know, player said nonsensical, you mentioned nonsensical. This is just... I, I Every time this track comes on, and I can't say this for the vast majority of Prince's repertoire, a smile comes across my face. Yeah. Like, I'm just thinking, ah, oh, this is the... This is the... This is a jam, but it's, like, it's not... It's tongue-in-cheek all the way. And how can you not think of the video when you're listening to it? The banana peel... And the, the monkey. Um, yeah, yeah, the monkey, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just hilarious. It's hilarical, to use that, one of my terms. Um, everything's awesome, from the synth lines to the underlying rhythm guitar parts. I mean, yeah, it does follow the funk formula, but but it, it's it's the Minneapolis way of doing things on this one. It's short and tight and funky all the way. Um, I love his voice on this. It's... Uh, you know, I almost wrote the words Camille, and it's and it's not Camille. It's not him singing in in any one of his registers. I don't think, or is he just singing in his high register? I don't know. Someone can maybe point that out to me. It, it, it's his voice sounds so different than than most of the other songs that he's done. It's just really really cool. I don't um, think it's his natural voice. I think it's going through something. It's I've better. It's, it's it's that bit too high. I think. Yeah, I, I've said here it's it's the last genuine Camille track. Yeah, but, but it's not it's not yeah, it's it's not genuine Camille though, is it? All the way, no. Well, you think like, when the he says side, the B side for this was "Feel You Up," which was a Camille track as well. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, the the lyrics are just too cool. Uh, I love the nice, especially in the video. Obviously, the the stand up. The video must must be longer to me because I remember the stand up bass part uh, in that and and. Or the, um, when he plays the keys in the video upside down, it's just so cool. Mm. Um, and and the bass bits and yeah, player. When you mentioned that Paisley Park, Prince of Paisley Park, sort of documentary, the the bass playing is just awesome. Um, and the, the little piano flourishes, nice vocal. The, the vocal dubs are, are just really sick and they're slick. And I'm just going to finish this off by saying, 17 horns blowing. Uh, I just love that. <laughs> when, who says that? What does that mean? 17, 17 horns blowing? And actually, I do have to finish with something else. One of my all-time favorite song, uh, lines out of any Prince song ever. I hope it's not what I think it is. If it breaks when it bends, uh, <laughs> you never know what put it in. <laughs> right in what? <laughs> If it breaks when it bends, you better not put it in. That's the lyric. That's the funniest thing to me I've ever heard. Oh, God. Too funky. Too funky. Someone take it off my hands. Uh, it is too funky. Uh, just, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Correcting player. You said, baby, I'm a star. I've got that it was actually 1999 for this one that they played back when they were recording the movie and then Baby on a Staff for when they were doing Trust. I, I got that the other way around. Yeah, okay. Well, either way. I heard Trust was replaced, uh, it was going to be 200 balloons. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then when they were trust. recording the, um, when they were recording, like filming the, the movie. Oh, used, okay. The playback, yeah. Yeah, as the original songs. 
Ah. Yeah, this song, as I said, last sort of See? genuine Camille track. What's that? About this say like the theme of um, 1999 being the end of the world and where trust is it's like the Joker in the city and he's killing everyone mm. and then and then this song Party Man he's saying baby I'm a star and it's kind of like the same thing it's like, yeah, like I'm thinking more of the tempo like because this is a bit slower art gallery mm. yeah well I don't know one or the other <laughs> um, yeah you guys pretty much mentioned all the good things um, I love the the um doubled bass where he's got the sort of uh, double bass and then he's got him sort of beatboxing along to the bass the, dum, 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 dum. Uh, the, the chicken scratch guitar is awesome uh, again I love the little jazzy piano flourishes throughout and I also love the horns just the, the sound of the horns like it's sort of synthesised, sampled and horns all at once it's such a crazy sound and um, yeah I've also got here the memories this song brings back, brings back a lot of memories because like I wore this VHS to death as a kid watching Batman. <laughs> and um, so I don't know how many times I've listened to the song, but it would have to be close to a 1,000, I reckon. Oh, uh, <laughs> so wow. it brings back a lot of nostalgic memories. Awesome song. Actually, you just made me think of something. You know the piano flourishes? It reminds me of the way Jimmy Jam plays. It sounds like the, the little feels he does in uh, What Have You Done For Me Lately? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It sounds a little bit like that. It's almost like a staccato. Yeah. To a degree. Hmm. Well, didn't he um, play this live? Was it this song and What Have You Done To Me? He kind of mixed them together. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Someone hasn't had a stab at this, have they? Or have yeah, they me. No, right. Uh, yeah, but you said most of it. But yeah, I don't know how anyone who's seen the movie can hear this song and not see Jack Nicholson and his gangsters walking around the museum <laughs> with, the, with the boom box. Hilarious. It, just, it was just, that's in my brain. And I've only seen that probably twice. That just, I remember that part so vividly because it was good. It's a funky song. You got your nice tight snare. Like on a couple other tracks, you got this massive '80s reverb on the snare, but this one's just really tight and it's it's there. But the thing is, the album version. There's some stuff that's not on there. You were saying about the the bass solo on the Prince of the Musical Portrait, whatever it was, little documentary thing where he's playing the bass to Party Matt. That doesn't come out on any release of the song. Mm. On any of them, it's only on that thing which annoys me because that was one of the best parts of anything he's done and um you and still then, imagine it while you listen to the song though, I don't still you? hear it every time it comes to that part where I think it's in the uh, I think it was the video mix or the purple party mix where it comes to that part and there's a, the high vocals sing everybody in the dance floor that's when the bass starts playing I hear it even though it's not there every time holy conspiracy captain <laughs> <laughs> But, um, no, it's a good song, but, yeah, all the stuff I like is not on the album version. I love Candy's sax solo on the video mix, and the Purple Party mix is one of my all-time favourite Prince songs ever. Oh, my God, I have, to, I have to get it. We'll get to one day in the future. <laughs> it's just, just one, more thing. one more thing. I think this song also completely justified Prince doing the soundtrack, because this song completely represents the Joker to me. Yeah, like in yeah. terms of '80s Batman, like this this song is the Joker, and it for me anyway, this song justifies Prince doing this whole concept. 
this whole concept out. I heard that they were considering Michael Jackson. Yeah, I heard that too. What? Yeah, I heard a re- like this is probably just newspaper rumours that Michael Jackson was going to do the Batman songs and Prince would do the Joker songs. <laughs> ah. So I don't know. That would have been interesting. But so we'll never know. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're moving on, S- but still I keep Vicky waiting. Track number five. Just for that, I'll just say one more thing about Party Man. Prince must really think that that is a good song. He 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 himself has a high opinion of that song because he's played it like on and off all the time. Every Ever other since, year, yeah. he plays it yeah. in tour on tour. He must really like that song. I mean, he's got to get a kick out of playing a song where he says, "I'm the part, like I'm Party Man." It's a, it's a great like autobiographical song for mm. him and it's great in concert for him to do because that's what yeah. he does exactly. he is the party man on the stage doing all the funky shit that's what he does <laughs> it's a great song for him to do it's really similar every time I hear it I think of Pretty Man from uh, Ray yeah. it's got that same sense of humour yeah and yeah okay back to Vicky Waiting okay you just kept Vicky Waiting see <laughs> yeah. so uh, oh, I ended the whole time you said <laughs> let's wait I set you up for it Let's not wait any longer. Um, I'll start this off and then uh, give it up to everyone else. I'll just say that it's a not a huge fan of the track, but um, actually a bigger fan of the, of the live version uh, that was released through MPG, but I'll mm. let someone else tackle that. Nice beat, and I really... Something that you don't hear in, in Prince music, and whether it's an actual slide or not, regardless, it sounds like a slide guitar to me, and it's got touches of slide guitar in the mix. And that's just really cool, really nice. Um, kind of reminds me of parts of Shy as well. Um, the synth, little synth tidbits are kind of kind of interesting. Um, the lyrics are great. This is really where the song comes alive to me, the lyrics. And again, a, a rarity. Not to say that, that Prince is not a good lyric writer or even a great one. Um, I think he's both um, in, in different circumstances. But this one does something rare in that it tells a story from start to finish. At yep. least... At least a scene, I guess. Maybe not a whole um, story about you know strange relationships and the games people play and power plays and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just it's it's vivid imagery. Um, it's it references the film. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. There's also a line here that escapes me now that I, that I quite like, but I'm sure someone else will bring it up. Something uh, about a cathedral. Uh, <laughs> there's that and then there's another one there's another one god it really escapes me I'll let someone else take the floor um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Captain since you started it up what are your thoughts This, I really like this song and I, it really blew me away when he pulled it out in I think it was 95 and played it a couple of times it was just the most unexpected thing song that he would just pull out of nowhere because I don't think he's, he'd ever played it and then I think it was in the Paisley Park shows in 95, he just started playing it. I'm like, what the hell? It's good. It was good. It was a big surprise. He hasn't played it since, I don't think. I don't think so. <laughs> but um, it's it's got some very suggestive lyrics, I'd say. Um, and you've got the, the... The funniest thing I like in this song, it's got this bass going all through it, and it's got the percussion which you'll notice. But it's got these, you know, the shaky, shaky, what are they, maracas or something, going through the whole track. And one of them, when you listen to it in headphones, one of them is dead center, and it's on the beat every time. There's another one just in the left, I think it's left, and 
you can tell he did it in one take because every like other beat, it's not right. It's just really funny. You can tell he just did it, and then he listened to it, and he goes, "Oh, that sounds cool," because it's not the same all the time. It's just really funny. Listen to it. All right. Because you can hear it's got this live sound. You can tell he just recorded it. And like every other one, he'd miss it, and then he'd just do an extra one, and it was just really funny when I listened to it. But I like this song. Um, and the kick drum for a, for a long time, I didn't think this song had a kick drum because it's not till about halfway into the song you actually notice it's there because there's there's got this big rumbling bass going through the whole track anyway. And I, yeah, I never noticed it was a kick drum. You can just hear it in like the first half of the song, but the bass. Just like on Electric Chair, it's got some bass, this song. But I crank up the bass on everything, so that could be it. <laughs> That's good. Um, Vicky Wedding, yeah, it's good. Next. Player, what do you think? Yeah, well, on the surface, this track seems a little bit like filler on this album, but once you know the background, the history of the song, it's an intriguing story. The The song was originally called Anna Wedding. Anna. Yeah, and Anna was the woman Prince was dating at the time. We Anna, called Anna Fantastic. Fantastic, yeah. And she was some sort of muse to Prince who inspired the song. Um, this song, apparently Anastasia, maybe, maybe not. Um, definitely Pink Cashmere, wow. she inspired, uh, to name a few. Um, and the Anna Wedding song was recorded in 88 and was revised and rewritten as Vicky Wedding. So if you replace the Vicky's of the songs with Anna's, and if you pay attention to verses one and three and take out the second verse, which is deliberately written for the soundtrack you get a glimpse into Prince's relationship with Anna and how personal the song is which I really like um, lyrics like talk of children still frightens me is my character enough to be and then in the background you hear never um, one that deserves a copy made and then you hear never never so it's kind of mm. this This I one day hope to see So it's kind of interesting where he was at that point in, in, in his life um, the music itself is a good little groove. The beginning with the phone ring weaved into the beat. Um, the lead line in the chorus sounds like Eric Lee's horn line. Um, I would have liked the end to have the version used in the movie, which had this extended guitar solo. Yeah, completely. It's, yeah, but it's too low in the mix in the movie, and I'm just thinking, can you crank it up? Can you add it onto the soundtrack anyway? Hmm. All in all, I have a deeper appreciation for this track now knowing what it originally was, which was Anna Waiting. So I really like this song. I, I, right. never, I never noticed there was slide guitar in this song. I mean, I'd heard it, but it never registered in my brain that he was playing a guitar. Mm. It was just weird. Because, yeah, cause MC just said it, and I thought, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Even though I'd heard it a million times. It's quite rare, and it, and it sort of begs the question, is he playing it or is it a sample? Uh, but if he's playing it, what, is this like the only slide guitar that he's played on record? Because actually even I, I referenced Shy, but I don't think Shy is a slide. So, I don't know. On, um, come on, there's no slide guitar on that. But that might be Mike yeah. Scott, maybe. Mm. But there's some really good guitar in this song too. And it's, yeah, it's got that player said he loves the sound of the guitar at like this era and it's it's great sound. It's really good. And some of the little stuff he plays, it's great. No whammy bar. Yeah, this is pre-whammy bar days. It's beautiful stuff. Mm. I could listen to it all day. Way, way before whammy bar. Yeah. Um, all right, Toe Jam, close it out. 
Yeah, I, I um, also like this song. It's very much a sleeper. Um, it's a kind of song that you can forget about, and then when you hear it, you really appreciate it. Uh, I've got here, it's a very smooth, very smooth song. Um, I like the sort of, the way that it's very deceptive and simple. It sort of has this kid-like melody um, played on the keyboards throughout. Um, and I also love the guitar solo outro, which player was talking about, which on the Batman movie, you can vaguely hear in the background a, a, like an extended version that I just wish was available. And um, going back to my little nostalgic story again, years later, I remember watching the movie and wanting to hear that song. I thought, oh, that must be on the album that I had years ago. And I got my friend who worked at a record store to, to get me. And this was probably the song that I wanted to get to hear, that extended version, which it, it wasn't on the album, unfortunately. Oh. But um, disappointing. Uh, and I, I love the lyrics at the end. Um, you know, he's playing with the whole waiting, like... Let's keep waiting. Let's keep Vicky waiting, 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 and then it just sort of fades away. Anything? Where's this song going? And then it hits you with that guitar solo. Ah, so, oh, that's that's what we were waiting for. But I love the way that lyrics kind of interplay with the the music there. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Yeah. Let's move on. Nice smooth song. Uh, track number six. Trust. Here we go. Trust. Who do you trust? <laughs> Who do you? Well, if you like that, <laughs> then you'll like the song. Uh, for anyone listening, I for one don't. All the un- all the instrumental parts are quite funky, though. It's a like when I listen to it. This is the thing. It's a very funky song, but my reviews are probably going to get. Uh, as we progress, you know, through Prince album reviews and all sorts of things, they're, they're probably going to get very, very um, uh, different uh, from from the way I've been reviewing albums in the past. And that's because lyrics have become, uh, as long as the, the piece isn't instrumental, I'm really starting to hone in on lyrics within songs, and especially what the song's about. And this one, I don't... I don't know. <laughs> just the lyrics don't do much for me. Um, and although, it, albeit funky, it's just, it's just a, it's filler. Take it away, player. Okay, this is a funk workout, fast, furious, but a clean song that I would like to see him tackle live, which, as far as I know, he's never done, and which he could do because it's not really that effective. There's nothing really there that, you know, he with JW that wouldn't get approved. Mm. Um, he could even slow down and do it acoustic style and still work incredibly well. Um, the guitar riff is the hero on this track. It's an awesome song that's maybe over, overlooked in his catalogue, but um, as far as I know, it was a replacement for 1999 in the movie and works just as well. Um, it's, it's a pretty cool song for me. Okay, all right. Toe Jam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you about the lyrics. The lyrics don't really go anywhere, and they're a bit descriptive with, well, uh, it's sort of meant to spit in with the movie, I guess. Who are you going to trust, Batman or the Joker kind of thing? It's a little bit sort of cheesy in that aspect. So I agree with you on that. But musically, I really like it. Uh, I love the, the walking bass line, this really deep walking bass line that mm-hmm. just runs through the whole song. And it kind of fits in with Vicky Wading in the future with this, uh, you know, these deep repetitive bass lines that sort of are there constantly kind of thing. And uh, I love the turnaround on the guitar. That da 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 da. Hey, it's almost like you know some crazy game show or something. 
<laughs> and um, I also like the way he asks he asks the song to wait, and then he sings a nice little, you know, like want you with me. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I just like that the way he plays around with the composition. That's you know one of his greatest strengths, I think. Um, so yeah, it's it's a cool song, cool song, and it, again, it fits the movie where it is in the movie. It it works really well, I think. All right, Captain. I know you've all been waiting. Oh yeah. For, for my favorite track of this album, <laughs> and this is it. Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> I love this song. It's it's just great. <laughs> You're gonna be I'm infamous sure. for. I'm not even sure why. I just love this song. I know the lyrics, whatever, I don't listen to lyrics, it's not that good. But the music, it's just great. It's so good. I wish you would do a whole album of of songs like this. Like, it's almost, when it goes at the end and all the little things happen, it's almost like some gospel thing. I want an album like that. It'd be just so good. But it's my favourite track on the album. It's a happy song. I listen to this in the car and then I'm bouncing along it's great (laughs) just just take care when you drive captain (laughs) this song just makes me happy every time I hear it it's just good you do realise you're going to become infamous around the world if you're well I'm sure you already are in certain parts (laughs) but for for the the guy who loves Trust Arms of Orion and last but not least The Morning After I mean (laughs) really (laughs) it's like look Prince once said, you know, songs are like his children. Mm. Yeah, so I love the children that are unloved. I'm not <laughs> evil. So basically what you're saying is this track was adopted. Is that what you're saying? All these, you know, like ugly, retarded kids, I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine with me. No, I like this song. And But the lyrics are sort of opposite to the, the happiness of the music, but he's done that in a few other songs as well. Mm. Yeah, I think second, sometimes it works more so though this one I don't know mm. but yeah the, the second half of this song we're all, it just gets better and better and the end of the song I'm just screaming my head off it's great yeah if I think it once, probably goes one, sorry I think I think it probably goes a little bit too far not in terms no of length thing. but in terms of I don't know I don't find the last <laughs> 30 seconds or minute like really no grabby such thing <laughs> in that sort of song you, you can't go too far <laughs> You just get happier, happier You've gone too far by putting it on the album. You might as well just go out. If there was one song I want to see him do live, it's this. And I, if I there was one song, played it. If there was, are you sure you you don't want to have another stab at that? If there was one song you'd want to see him do live, it's Trust. <laughs> Pretty much. God. Oh man, I could think of about a hundred others. I could think of others, but I think Trust. Maybe if it's not the first, it'd be in the top five. It's I just, <laughs> no, you're right. You'd want to hear him do the morning after first, wouldn't you? With whammy. I could live without that. I'd, I'd trust beats that. I'd I'd go for trust. I okay. I take I take trust over. Let's go crazy for the upteenth time. Yeah. <laughs> just to see what he does with it. That take anything over. Let's go crazy for the upteenth time. Yeah. So what? from from. From one forgettable and two re- repetitive no, song to From the to greatest another. song on the album to probably the worst. <laughs> Track number seven, Lemon Crush. <laughs> forgettable, 
bland pop, not memorable, blah, 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 filler. Who wants to take it? Oh, Captain. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> okay. This song, Lemon Crush, is a drink. <laughs> it's like, you know, solo or a Sprite or something. Anyway, it's, it's a, after the big happy trust, it's a return to the dark stuff from we had at the start of the album with this almost rap-like sinister music and, the, and he's got his guitar and all these multi-track vocals most people say it's the worst track on the album it probably is again but I don't mind it that much like all the reviews I've seen they just hate this song it's the crapper song but um, with only nine songs to choose from you've, you've got to have a, a worse song you've got to have the best song it doesn't make sense Lemon Crush what is it? Sense. Every time you kiss me, yeah. I don't know what he's talking Lemon about. Crush. He, he already he, he explains that in the song. He says he's running out of things to call you. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> so he's basically saying, "Look, this is all I got left." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's probably it's got to be one of the weaker songs on the album. But that doesn't take anything away from the song as you know a song on its own. I think. The, actually, while we're talking about it, the. Uh, I've kind of thought to myself, maybe the lyric in the very, uh, just looking at those two words, lemon crush, lemon being bitter and a crush meaning a crush on someone, a bitter crush. Oh. Just a thought. Hmm. Well, when I first got this album, way back, whenever it was, it, w- it was my least favourite track and it pr- it's, it's in the bottom two still. But I, I can appreciate it as a song on its own without trying to compare it to everything else on the album as well. Now, I'm going to have to listen to it again now because that, that little thought that I had is kind of changing my opinion of it already. Yeah, you, you go back and listen to every word. Yeah, I will. So, <laughs> uh, Jam, what do you think of Lemon Crush? Hmm, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, look, I think there's too much happening in the song. It's... And it's too repetitive. Also, uh, I, I just get sick of hearing the chorus by the end of it. Mm. Yeah, it just there's too much, and there's way too much kick drum. The kick drum just gets in the way. There's too much of it. There is a lot of kick drum. Yeah. Now, what about that thing at the end? Crush. <laughs> what, what does he say? Before they crash. Turn that bloody sample huh. off. Yeah. Huh. But um, I've got what I've got here. It's interesting to listen to because there is a lot happening. Like it's very thick. There's so much happening, and it's interesting to listen to what he's done and a little you know little subtle changes he's made throughout but in the end it's not listenable it's just too much it's too thick it's like you know it's like some stupidly rich chocolate cake it's it's nice for like the <laughs> no first 10 seconds and then it's just <laughs> no like oh I don't want it so hmm. too much but um having said that you know I can appreciate all the effort he's gone into making all these little subtle changes and little tweaks and beats here but it, again again it's just way too much so this and uh, Armors of Orion are the two... Well, Stinkers may be a bit harsh, but they're the two songs that really drag it down, I think, as an album. I, th- I think it's a it's an ambitious track. Like, he tried to yeah. do a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. And I, li- I like the the, the, back, the Lemon Crush, the backing vocals, the sort of in this off-key thing all the way through the song. And it's it's interesting, the stuff he's done with it, but, yeah, it is too much. Oh, yeah, man, I'm going to have to go listen to this again, because... 
I just thought it was one bland, repetitive piece of rubbish, and you guys are saying that there's a lot to it. So I'm going to put on my headphones there. after this uh, after this conversation and listen to it again. Listen to the kick drum. I'm sure you'll be able to hear it. <laughs> one thing I like is he even manages a reference to his own Stop Do Me Baby in the lyrics, which is just yeah. good. Hmm. All right, player, have you got anything inspiring to add? No, probably not. Um, <laughs> This is most notable for its bad lyrics. Um, if I'm working at my jobber, um, oh, yeah. brother, I mean, that is, that is bad. Yeah, I mean, coming after something like electric chair and then to go to that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, it's a little bit similar to Bat Dance in the sense that it's a mishmash of random samples and sounds. But like Jam said, it's way too busy. There's just too much going on and it's just not really cohesive. Um, apparently, again, this song is inspired by Anna Fantastic. Lemon Crush was her favourite drink. Um, oh, okay. Uh-huh. So, so you see the things you learn on the Peach and Black podcast. Mm, so, um, again, maybe it's not only her favourite drink, but maybe some of the lyrics in there are, are referencing their relationship. I don't know. Um, overall, it's an okay track, but it's pretty forgettable. It just seems like it was rushed to throw it on the soundtrack. It's like he had an additional song. I'll just throw this on there just to um, bump up the numbers of tracks on the soundtrack. But if there was ever, ever a song that you could describe as filler, this is the one, I think. <laughs> yeah. Done. Yeah. Okay. Crushed. And now... If, well, there, if there was ever a song which was just a song, <laughs> that could be I, it. I can safely say moving into <laughs> the second last song, track number eight... Uh, fills me with uh, an abundance of things to say and an abundance of joy. I'll leave my comment to the end because I'm sure... I have a feeling we'll have a lot to say about this one. Uh, Scandalous. I'm talking about you and me, a player. (laughs) Go ahead. All right. This is the track that you can get pregnant to by listening to it. Even if you're a male. I don't know how that works. I don't. (laughs) It's just classic, classic Prince track. Um, I love the beat. It's so hypnotic. It's just the right tempo. It's not too slow, not too fast. It's just right. The keyboards are sublime. The choir samples are awesome. Um, There's also some samples that were used in If I Was Your Girlfriend in this as well. Um, The lyrics are on point. The opening line, come closer, feel what you've been dying for. I mean, if you're... If your woman doesn't need to send her panties to dry cleaners after listening to that, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Vocal delivery is stunning. Um, the 12-inch, the Scandalous Sex Suite, takes the song Ooh. to a whole other level. Great it's stuff. almost like... Um, it's what like is two it? The Passion, song. The Rapture, and something. I haven't heard that. Oh, oh you're missing out something. Oh, jeez. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, just to give you a rundown of the 12 inch, the, the first part of it is basically Kim Bassinger and Prince having their little pillow talk. The main part of the song is it's like the song, but it's like two songs mixed into one. It's amazing. It's like it, it's, you just have to listen to it. And then the last part of it is like a extended sax solo from Eric Leeds. It's, it's great. Um, the I video, my, my panties are the dry cleaner after that description. <laughs> <laughs> the video with the microphone stand tricks and all that is classic Prince seduction. Um, it's one of Prince, Prince's elite ballads. I can't speak highly enough of this track. It's awesome. Okay. Captain, what do you think about Scandalous? I agree. This is 
oh, it's probably my favourite Prince ballad, which is saying a lot, I suppose. Mm. I love this song. It, everything player said, it's not too slow, it's not too fast, it's just, it's perfect for what it is. It's just great. Does anyone know, sorry to interrupt you, but does anyone know which part of the song that his father contributes to the track? Is it No. Mm. I'm not sure if they wrote it together or he might have just come up with a little yeah, he's, he's probably thing here and there. He's probably stolen it off him and just credited it to him. Yeah, um, but I'd like to know what part. You know, I have a sneaking suspicion that it's just that the first few seconds and he, and, he, and he's just given an album credit just for that. You know that ding, ding, ding right at the beginning? Mm. Ding dong. Yeah, the ding dong, basically. <laughs> that's, that's, from, that's, from, that's, that's from a Roland D50, which I have, and it's exactly <laughs> the same sound. Oh, really? So okay. I know what keyboard he was using at the time. Maybe it's that chord progression, or, or note. <laughs> yeah, it, it might have been his dad's doorbell sound. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Oh, I better credit him. He'll, he'll get some money. No, but, um, I just thought of something else, too. This what? was the song that um, Prince's publicists and all that were pushing the story of uh, Prince and Kim Basinger at Paisley Park with the honey all over the mixing desk and having to scrape it off. And it was I just like that. This, uh, apparently, when they re- were recording the scandalous sex suite to get her in the mood, apparently her favourite food was honey. So they cracked open a, bo- a jar of honey. Or maybe it was Prince's favourite food. <laughs> nah, apparently it was hers. It was her favourite food to get her in the mood. So they cracked it open and apparently the engineers were scraping honey off the mixing desk for two days. <laughs> and there was this story that was going around, like in the tabloids and stuff, but I think it was just like publicity pre-internet days just to get interest in the project. We've all, we've all heard about the popcorn and honey, haven't we? The what? The popcorn and honey. What's that? <laughs> uh, Am I the only... Am I the only one? Uh, I won't go into it. I won't divulge too much. It'll take away from the song. <laughs> anyway, I love this song. It's a great ballad. And he had up... He, I think he played it once or twice on the Nerd Tour. And that was it. And then he didn't play it until, I think, Act One. And then he started playing it regularly. And he's been playing it ever since. And it's it's just great. Okay. So, Jam, what are your thoughts on this ballad? He added a mantra, didn't he? Yeah, I'll, I'll, that's, yeah. I'm leaving mine till last, <laughs> specifically for that. Yeah, and no, what, 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 what more can I add to this? This is, you know, it's up there with Insatiable and and Doomy Baby. It's, it, it is, it probably is the best Prince ballad. Thinking about it now, I mean, there's just so much to like about it. The vocals is just unbelievable. There's that part in the song where he does the... Oh man! And you oh, know, yeah. I, years and years, I thought that was just like some, you know, electronic trick. And then I saw him do it live, and I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> like that's a that's awesome the way he does that. Oh, and, you've, uh, you've seen it? Uh, oh, just you know, on various recordings. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, and the, you know, the chord progression, I love. It's just so circular. It just it can go on forever and ever, and you don't get tired of it. Mm. It's just beautiful. And um, but I do like the way in the album version how it, it kind of get darker and darker like thicker and thicker yeah. and then it just sort of works its way out of that and it just yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing it's, it's um, great I've got here steam the way that, <laughs> no just the way that like the sound of the 
the sound of the thing, it just sounds like steam rising. It's just... It's steamy. It is, yeah. It's hot and steamy. <laughs> <laughs> um, getting back to the scandalous sex suite, um, you've got to it's listen the, to that. There's a guitar solo in that. It is, um, Everyone oh. keeps saying that. I'm it's thinking... It's like played at half speed, and it's just like, wow. That's everyone says... I've, I've read it all, constantly, and, every, and I'm like, how, what, I mean, how good... If it was that good, why wouldn't you ever, you know, put it on this album, for example? You know what I find? I, you know, I listen to it, and I start to fall asleep through all the chit-chat stuff. And then it must just be the timing that I'm kind of in that sort of semi-asleep mode when that guitar solo comes in. Yeah. 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 It's... <laughs> It's, I think, very well thought out as to where everything is, like, in those whole three tracks. It's timed. It's it's really good. It's it's the crime, the passion, and the rapture. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, I'm going to have to seek it out. And there was also the, the dopamine rush suite. It was unreleased at the time, which went for, like, 20 minutes. Mm. And, you know, that, that's a good song in, in itself. But I think he's taken that idea. I'm going to make a... You know, a 20-minute song with, like, three different sections, but I'm going to, you know, blow the dopamine rush suite out of the water kind of thing. Mm. So I like the, the way that the two songs are kind of, you know, brother and sister to each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah, part so... Of, part of um, dopamine rush suite, rush suite ended up as xenophobia, didn't it? Um, Is that sure. what I'm thinking of? Because Eric Leeds... I, I was Eric think... Leeds... Oh, was it something on Times Squared? I think it was yeah. Dopamine Rush Weird. I can't remember now. No, there's another song on Times Squared that's similar to Xenophobia. Ah, oh, it's on Times Squared. Mm. All right. Well, to uh, to finish up Scandalous, I've, I actually do have a few a few things to add uh, to this track. I, it is an elite Prince ballad. Everyone said that. Um, you know, I, I can't give a single song top billing, but this has got to be in the top three all-time Prince ballads. Um, and it would be really high up there in all-time greatest Prince songs in general. I think I've mentioned before songs that I think are deceptive. Love Like Jazz was one of them. Uh, and, and I'm not comparing them to Scandalous in, in any kind of direct way, but just to say that, you know, some songs are deceptive. And this this song is deceptive in the sense that it's deceptively simple the the main line throughout is deceptively simple and every, and everything just kind of seems airy and wishy-washy from a distance i think mm. but but it oh god it's so much more and and it the simplicity um in it is is beautiful but then all the other stuff that goes on in the song and really th- this is this if if i had to choose 5 or 10 tracks to to really show Prince's arrangement and production quality on on, an, on a song, on a particular song, this would be the one. I just think everything is perfect. I can't... Oh God, if you gave me an hour to attempt to fault any part of it, I can't. There's not a single thing I can fault. And in fact, I can't even praise it enough it's that good. It's really... You guys have, have hit the bullseye. But specific things to me, um, I like the, the drum programming. Um... It gives it a, a, a certain kind of quality and feel. I, I, don't, I just don't know how he does it. I don't know how he, what he's done here, but it, it's just brilliant. He, he he's done it to an extent on Insatiable as well, even though they're completely different drum. But just the way he tightens up, tightens up the snare in in his ballads, specifically in those two, it's just brilliant. They just do something, um, and that the song really becomes um, 
uh, hot and heavy. The synth strings are, are really um, uh, are, are amazing, and and they they really again they they just propel the, the song just keeps propelling and every time you think that it's kind of um you know he's either hitting his lower registers for a second up comes that falsetto again and the falsetto is amazing i mean his voice has never sounded better than this um in, in his high register the vocal harmonies i mean this is one guy <laughs> this is crazy it's really unbelievable i mean on the chorus even the scandalous chorus the layering there is exquisite it's mm. It's why I'm a Prince fan. Let me put it that way. Scandalous is one of those songs. Um, now, going back to what Captain uh, mentioned before, he played this song in Montreux. And, you know, I don't think any version will top the studio version. It's just impossible to me. The studio version is so perfect. But I, it's a song that he can't ruin live. It just it brought the house down. Well, I guess in comparison to, to playing the uh, the combination of Nothing Compares to You and the Beautiful Ones, partially. But, you know, even after Insatiable, there was something... And you just saw people look, looking around and going, oh, yeah, this is, that, this is that secret jam that every hardcore Prince fan just absolutely adores. And every time you hear, you just hear that beginning, the, the, that those synth lines is just... Ah, oh, it's sublime. It's just... It's a subliminal song. Um... What can I say? I'll just say about his, you saying the drum programming, it just shows what a good, a, a great drum programmer he is. I mean, even if it's 1999, the song, or to a ballad like this, he just kicks its ass every time. Yeah. Like he I, knows how to program a bloody drum machine, if it's a Lin or if it's something else, he just knows what to do. Yeah, it's so perfect, especially in the context of this song, that... You, you give this to a hundred professional beat makers, I don't think they'd come up with... It's It's not a question of ability and pro, only ability, but it's a question of just getting that 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 touch, that special something that, you know, it's intangible, that sound, absolutely on point. And it's just... It's indescribable almost, you know? You just... It just makes sense. It's, it's, it's brilliant. And it's very simple, really. The drum track here is quite simple and it's repetitious, as is... As is the arrangement, but the oh god, the vocal arrangements. I know I've said it before, but they're just brilliant. They're unbelievable. It's really, it's really um, headphone candy. I mean, and for anyone that's questioning Prince's talents as a vocalist, put on your headphones, put on Scandalous, and then you know, remember to pick up your jaw off the floor after you're done, hmm. and take your panties to the dry cleaner and slay it. <laughs> yep, it's brilliant. Um. Okay, so after all that, let's get into the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I could use a I could use a cold drink. One more thing about mm. scandalous. In just before, I think it's in the bridge before the chorus. He's got the line, "Anything you've ever dreamed of." I think it's "I'm willing to be." Just before he says "I'm," he hits this high note every time, like in every chorus. Has anyone else noticed oh, yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a high note, and it's it's it just blows me away every time I hear it. Because he does it every time. It's not just like he did it once. He does it every every chord, uh, bridge. Yeah, just just to the back of what you're saying, I want to add a point, uh, especially for for not only for for regular listeners, but also I guess people that um, 
maybe might not be f- too familiar with Prince Prince's music and and his, his vocal abilities. Singing falsetto, being able to hit notes is one thing. Being able to sing falsetto successfully without sounding like an absolute tool, that's <laughs> another. And this guy is... That's the thing, Captain. Like, you mentioned that point. He's hitting that note, and it's a high note, and it sounds amazing, but... If you know, we not, did it, if we could <laughs> do it, it wouldn't sound that Yeah, good. I mean, there are plenty of singers that can do it, but why does it just sound wrong why does it sound contrived and his sounds like he's just it just breathing. sounds it sounds like he's breathing mm. it's just a natural thing it's unbelievable and and I, I find that that um scandalous is a perfect example of where the way he sings the lyrics and that his sentiment within his vocal performance is so intrinsic to the song and matches the lyrical sentiment so completely that it just takes it into overdrive, and that's why you know you can you can name Adore and you can name Doomy Baby and all those songs, but this one just really he's going for he's going for gold in, on this track. There's no there's no holding back. There's no censorship here. This is just unadulterated. Um, you know you, you could listen. I mean, and the lyrics as well. You could read the lyrics on their own, and that'd be enough to do it. Mm. I mean, somebody fault this song, please. Can't do it. <laughs> Would you say this song is more genuine than the arms of Orion? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the last track of the album, let's hit it up. Um, and, and I have to be honest, you know, track number nine, Bat Dance, a lot has been written about and said about this song. It was a single, obviously. It was a number one single. It was successful. And constantly I would read on forums and, and speak to people, and they would talk to me about the guitar solo. Mm. And I don't want oh, yeah. to get ahead of ourselves, but I just want to say that I, it's, I, I really don't see what the big deal is. I mean, it's good, but it's like if I was choosing... Prince's greatest guitar tracks, or even tracks with with great guitar parts, I wouldn't, you know, this wouldn't, I wouldn't be going with Bat Dance as one of them. So, anyway, let's let, let's go into the song, um, the song itself. And um, if the, are, are there any takers? Uh, who's the biggest fan? L- l- let's do something different. Who's the biggest fan? Not all at once now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll I'll, see. Go. I'll go. I don't care. It is a good guitar solo. I'll say that it, it's short, and sweet. It's it wasn't sweet. It's bloody evil, but it's short and it's good. <laughs> evil, and I love. I like that. Um, okay, S- yeah, like some people have slammed this track as and dated badly, and uh, this album as well on all. But I don't think it's that bad. And they've said this track is just a novelty track, and but it was successful. It went to number one. But then again, so did Achy Breaky Heart. So, who knows? But um, I think it, it, maybe you could say it's a novelty track, but it's a genius novelty track. Like, the, the transitions between the two parts, they're just excellent. And the samples, they're all in the right place. And I'm sure we all know this song backwards and every sample and every second of it. Well, I do anyway. And this track, it just rocks and funks its way, you know, six minutes, just over six minutes of Prince being Prince. And the funky guitars in there and then the funky organ. 
and you've got samples of Mavis with Get Your House in Order, and then you've got the guitar solo, and the video just kicks its kicks ass. The guitar solo in the video is great. The moves he does doing that guitar solo right, in the video on his back. are yeah. so damn good. I've seen that video clip a lot of times, and it's great. And he's got he's holding the guitar. I think he's got the base of the guitar like on his his waist, and then he's holding it out in front of him, and he's shaking his hair all over the place. It's just so good. It's a it's a bloody good video. And you got the future. You got the electric electric chair. So many parts of this album in this song. All the mishmash, all in one song. And it ties up all the album. It's a what do they call those things? Like a bookend. Coda. It's, some, it's you know it sums up the album and reprise. Who knows? One of them words. Ah, I love this song. All right, all right. Who's next in line? Show of hands. Toe Jam player. Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, this this song is really insane. And I think... Can anyone think of a, a Prince song that is more insane than this one? Ins- what do you mean by insane? In terms of just the... <laughs> like... Uh, in a good way. Insane in a good way. It's just I've like... Got one. Yeah. I've got one, and I actually I've got a song that's more insane than this, and is also better than this in my opinion, and that is Three Chains of Gold. I love that song, uh, of which I'm a big fan. No, I'd say this is more insane than that. <laughs> okay, maybe not that's... better, maybe not better, but more insane. This um, is more frantic, especially. Yeah. Okay, okay, part. I see what you're saying. If that's what you mean, yeah, yeah. Just all over the place, and but it, for some weird reason, unlike Lemon's Crush, it all just comes together really well. Um, so I'm guessing this is a remix of 200 Balloons, yep. which made it as a B-side only and not a track. I, obviously, because it's a, probably... A travesty. A, yeah, well, a bit too similar. Um, but there's just so much awesome stuff going on here. Going to get a bit technical here. There's a drone, a, a D-flat drone that runs throughout the sort of main part of the song. Yet, it's in E-flat minor. So it's kind of the seventh note. Uh, mm. The seventh note of the, the minor seventh being as this drone bass line. And it just gives the song this, like, sort of almost hanging feeling like you're hanging on the edge of your seat almost. Um, the Vicky Wade, the, you know, when it goes into the, the Vicky Vale section, um, well, that's, that's what I call it for some reason. The bass and the scratch guitar in this is awesome. It's it's very similar to musicology. That dun 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 always heard musicology and heard, and heard this first. Um, and it also reminds me of I don't know if you guys remember the song I think it was called Oh Yeah or something it's around the same era it's a similar sort of insane weird sampled track by another artist yeah I heard that yeah. oh yeah that, that one's not oh those yeah, yellow German yellow yeah, that's oh yeah that's <laughs> first and, and I, heard, yeah. So I don't know maybe this I don't forget which one came first but I always think Prince was trying to yeah, yeah yellow okay so Prince was trying to capture that kind of mentality because that was obviously a big song um, not to steal it but trying to in- incorporate that sort of element those elements into, the, into, into his uh, repertoire um, don't stop dancing yeah what's going on there <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else have I got there's samples from um, Power From Above the Carmen Electra well it was a later released as a Carmen Electra track that um, you know the power and the soul part uh, and again, there's all the samples from all the songs throughout, scattered throughout. The guitar solo is pretty cool, and I think it's 
not so much the guitar solo. Again, it comes back to the what's happening around it that it makes the guitar solo sound so evil, as Captain said. And I agree with that. Uh, yeah, I, I think this would have to be the most experimental number one ever. That's a. Yeah, I'd probably agree well, with that. From my knowledge of number ones, which isn't that great. So. Bohemian Rhapsody. Achy breaky heart. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to that song for weeks now. <laughs> yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody, maybe in terms of, you know, the era. But that's a m- more cohesive song. Whereas, like, yeah, it just yeah. goes all, all over the place. It, you know, yeah, it's got, it does. It's, it's no got real lyrics, section. really. Yeah. Mm. You know, this middle section that just comes out of nowhere and then goes away, yet it just makes sense to me. Hey, Ducky. <laughs> <laughs> it's got lyrics, what are you talking about? <laughs> So there we go. I, well, I'm not saying it's the best thing ever, but I just love the way it's so ex- it's so Prince, it's so experimental, uh, yet it's so funky at the same time. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to listen to some of these songs again, and this is obviously one of them. I, you know, I've heard it a few times. I, I never really liked it as much as you guys did. I don't see the big deal in the song per s- as as a. As, I guess it's a traditional song, and maybe that's why I'm coming from at it from that point of view. It's it's very mishy mashy and, and and wishy washy. It's kind of mega mixy to me, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But um, after listening recently, I do have to say a couple things. One of them is, um, you know, the guitar solo is is, is really good. It is really it is really good, and you know. Not only the guitar solo, but the guitar playing midway throughout and then onwards, um, just with some pretty, you know, kind of tasty strumming. I'd call it um, it's kind of cool musicology esque, I guess. Um, but but really, this song to me is always it was something that I, I was surprised it was released. And yeah, when you think about it as a number one, God, I can't think of any other song off the top of my head that is that is as insane as you said. But this is really a um, it's like Prince. The musician in you know in the lab, or you know, like a little kid in a candy store, basically. To me, it's a masterful display of his skills, more so than a great song. I think it really shows his skills as a composer, um, as a producer, and the the biggest draw card here is is his arranging. I mean, if there was any if there was any song off the top of my head that I would have to choose to show his scope and his ability and, and and masterfulness as an arranger this would be this would be it this would definitely be one of them um, I can't believe it actually all ties it you know it, it's kind of it's like a knot in my mind when I think about it but when you listen to it it's got it has very distinct motions um uh, without getting into the complexities and, and and some of the stuff that's probably beyond me, it 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 sounds like something that shouldn't mesh together, but it does. So you know, it's um, I I think more so it's it, when, when I listen to it, and I'm gonna have to put headphones on. Like I said, it, it's more a song that I'm gonna listen to and have listened to, and I think to myself, God, he's you know what a what a talent in the studio on his own. Um, you know, here's a little trick. Here's, here's a little inkling of this and an inkling of that that I like. But as a song, uh, it wouldn't make the top hundred. Player. Yeah, this is Prince locked up in his room with a sampler going nuts. 
basically. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the video is a good example of um, just where he's sort of like in his little back cave sort of thing. Where he's just putting it all together. Um, it, it's a funky track, but it's I think it's underlooked for its creativity for placing movie dialogue into a song. I think it was very cutting-edge its, at its time for that. I mean, it wasn't the first track that ever sampled, but the use of dialogue and taking dialogue from the movie and making it into song it was quite creative. Um, like the B-side, 200 Balloons, which for me is the proper song of this track. Mm. Like he says, my funk is multi-layered, and this is just multi-layered. It just it works because he's taken the original theme and flipped it and made it his own. Um, if you live, if you read the lyric sheet on on the paper, it doesn't make any an ounce of sense. But in your ears, it's a whole different story. It's a great way to finish the album. Um, that's a that's about it. Hmm. Okay, and and that does it. Uh, the only other thing you mentioned, two hundred balloons. Mm. Um, I'll add that from, is one of my favourite songs as well. Yeah, that is a masterful song. And, and just trumps Bat Dance as a song p- to me personally as yeah. far as favouritism goes 200 oh. Balloons is the shit um, the thing is that 2000 Balloons actually came first i.e. it was the original song it was recorded first yeah. um, from what I know and it basically uses elements from 200 Balloons and, and other songs obviously but um, yeah I mean that, that's just interesting to me that 200 Balloons becomes a B-side and it was you know it's kind of like the, the, the basic track for what, what, what preceded it. It's yeah. almost like 200 Balloons is um, Chocolate Box and Bat Dance is Disco Jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> like that same yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Like a variation of that theme. Mm. Very similar. So, yeah, that well, wraps I, it I up. I read that 200 Balloons was originally meant to be like the Trust song, the song yeah. that was meant to go in with Trust because uh, yeah. it fit in the lyrics. And... Um, I think it's on the DVD commentary where, well, I don't think they actually referenced the song specifically, but Tim Burton says something like, oh, he showed us a few songs and we weren't happy with it, so he had to go back and do Trust kind of thing. Hmm. Okay. Well, there was a lot of contributions to the, to like, the, I think there was initially Rave, Rave to the Joy Fantastic and Dance with the Devil. Those two tracks were first submitted and then they got rejected. You can hear a sample of Rave in yeah. the remix of Yeah, that's right. Dance. Yeah. And yeah, Dance with the Devil was supposed to be in there, but I think it ended up being too dark for the movie or something, which I didn't think was possible. Yeah, not a very dark movie uh, after seeing The Dark Knight, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah, that's a comparison. But yeah, nine tracks, fairly short album. Has anyone got the minutes? I think it's... 42. Yeah. 42 and a half, roughly. Interesting. Interestingly enough... um, Oh, what was it? Rolling Stone, I think, whatever. I mean, not that they get much credential nowadays, but they did more so back then. Gave the album, I think, three and a half stars, and uh, Q Magazine gave it four. So that's just a small sampler of... Uh, I know we, we, don't gen- we don't generally go into you know other critic opinions, etc., but it's just a s- kind of, you know, it was a number one single, Bad Dance. It was a number one album number one film and fairly good critical responses he played it live I mean it's really not at least to me considered a huge album but when you think about it the stats are there so interesting well I, I think, think everyone knows 
It's got an asterisk next to it. Yes, it was a number one album. Yes, it was number one single, but it was also linked to a number one movie. So mm. I think everyone kind of understands that. Makes sense, yeah. Well, it was his biggest success, like commercial success since Purple Rain, which was, what, five years before this. Mm. It was, speaks speaks was volumes it? for commercial success, doesn't it? Mm. But I, I think Prince should hire himself out to do soundtracks. That'd be great. Because doing that... Wendy and Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what are they? Yeah, they're doing TV shows, aren't they? Mm. But, you can you do know, a soundtrack it, for Crossing Jordan. In a commercial soundtrack, there's external pressure, you know, to keep the songs short and listenable, which is something he's been lacking for a fair few years now without making these multi-disc things with 10-minute songs and full of stuff which you would call filler he'd be under pressure to make you know the pop songs it'd be good just do a couple do another soundtrack that's what I want and silence silence (laughs) silence silence after listening to the Batman album in full Um, yeah that's it done Scores, scores. It's been 20 years. Scores, okay. Uh, God, I can't even think. Someone, someone, anyone throw up a score. Toe Jam. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. Um, wow. I think this is... I shouldn't have started with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, it's pro- you know, a lot of it's probably just a nostalgic factor. But mm. I don't know. This is just one of those albums that I, I can listen to all the time and I, I never get tired of it. Um, it's it's similar to me to Minneapolis the MPLS sound album in that it's it's short it's poppy there's lots of funk uh, and really like you know we all love Prince's experimental side but when it comes down to it we all just love the funk and this mm. this album has a lot of funk to it I think and mm. uh, but yeah you know other than Arms of Orion and Lemon Crush you know everything else is pretty damn good in my opinion and. Um, yeah, what more can I say? Eight out of ten for me. I love it. Okay. Player, what's your score out of ten? Um, I agree. I'd say eight as well. <laughs> um, it's like like Tojan said, it's short, fast, furious. Um, it bounces its way along all the way to the end. But coming off the back of, say, Sign and Times and Love Sexy, it's a slight letdown if you look at it as a print CD. But if you look at it as a soundtrack, it's not as painful. Um I would have liked to have seen this and Rave come out in the same year, but happy enough to get this. But, um, yeah, eight. Okay, Captain. I'm thinking eight as well, but then I'm thinking there's a lot more albums to go, which are better than this, and it doesn't leave me much room between eight and ten. <laughs> so I think I'm going to go seven and seven and a half. All right. But, yeah, yeah. I guess that just leaves me then. Well, out of 10, uh, let me put it this way. Um, I've been rating songs and albums uh, on my iPod recently. And uh, I did a rating on this and then did an average, did a mathematical calculation and came up with an average out of five stars, if it had to be five, with a 2.3 something recurring, I think, 3.3 recurring. So this is, um, you know, converting that to out of 10... I'm going to give this an album a four. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I give, the, I give Batman a four. Uh, that's as a soundtrack and as a Prince album because to me, in this situation, it's one and the same. It doesn't... 
you know what? It as much as it sounds like it's a soundtrack, there's too much of it that doesn't. He's intertwined, you know, obviously his sound, some of his personal life, some of his eccentricities into the soundtrack, and it's very much a Prince record. Um, so I don't think you can split those two apart, not with an artist like that. You can't do it. He's got too much of an identity himself um, to do it. So I, don't, I never listen to this album as a, as a soundtrack album. This is a 4 out of 10. Finish on that. Mm. That's, that's hard. Mm. <laughs> How did you get that mathematical equation? Well, what I did was um, I've got a scoring system that I use for, for for on my shuffle. I've basically started listening to all the songs that I've got on on shuffle. He looked up at the cuts. arms of Orion and he measured, you know, <laughs> <laughs> eight miles. And, uh, and I just I just rate them. You can rate songs like one, two, three, four, or five stars. Yep. So I did that for this album. And I, and I came up with, you know, there's nine tracks, five-star maximum, that's 45 stars in total. I came up with, I think, 21 out of 45, converted it into a decimal place, etc., etc. So, as an average. So, um, yeah. Holy crap score, MC. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, well, that's what I think, four out of ten. I wonder if anything will score low, less than that. I, f- I, f- I would find it hard to, to score this album higher. I just can't. can't really you need that. to at least get some headphones and blow your head off a bit. Mm. Four and a, like, 2.33, what's that? So 4.6, four let's say. So that's a four and a half. Four and least. a half, okay, okay. Four and a half. I'll give it four and a half. But it's uh, it's not getting five stars from me. I'm sorry. Oh, well. You can send all your hate mail in. I'm just going to reject it. <laughs> <laughs> we do that anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, just want to give a few shout-outs uh, to finish up this episode um, to basically everyone else, uh, not everyone else, everyone that listens to us. Uh, when I say everyone, I literally mean everyone. Um, all of you. Yeah, all Even the other... the mental people. <laughs> all the other podcast people around the world, um, including the guys over at Freedom Train to do a good job. Um do a great job, actually, I should say. Uh, they had a very interesting um, interview with uh, Taika, Tika, Nelson. Yeah. Taika? Taika, Nelson, very... very um, insightful. I mean, yeah, parts of it were very insightful. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously, not, not, all, not all the questions and, and in material is gonna, should, should, can or should be about Prince. It's obviously... Um, some of it was about her and her music, which was also interesting to hear. Um... And a big, big up and uh, thank you to the Dawn Experience as well, um, who are obviously streaming our podcast. Players mentioned that a couple of times. I just wanted to yes. to put to put that in there. Um, Purple City, yeah, Purple City. There you go. Um, Bonjour. Uh, we had a couple of new additions to um, to our, our followers list and, and all that sort of stuff. So that's good. Um, yeah. A- anyone else got anything to say? Oh, hello okay. to all the people who who just love us so much, but they they can't even bring themselves to post a comment. They're too in awe. That's great. They're just so that's, stunned by our that's, that's brilliantness. 
Great. You know, we get so much mail nowadays. When we started, it was really another thing, but we get so much mail that I apologize if I don't reply to anyone straight away, or even at all, I should say, because um, you know, there's just so much to get through. But I believe me, I really I do make an effort to, to reply to everyone personally as, as, as often as I can. So well, You know your IP yeah. addresses. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thanks, everyone. Um, yeah, and we just can triangulate and we can find people. I tell you what, we're going to have a lot of uh, interesting thing, interesting episodes coming up. Um, we think that <laughs> episodes that we think are interesting at the very least, with regards to uh, further reviews and, and further topics, and uh, maybe a few surprises along the way. So uh, should be interesting. And On if there's anything note, you want us to tackle, let us know. Well, yeah, that's actually a good point. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, just uh, shoot us an email or a message. Uh, one person did did mention B-sides uh, and God that would be that would that, be amazing that, that, that's about five shows yeah yeah Certainly, there's a lot of B-sides yeah, and, and the, especially like the uh, you know it's kind of 78 79 to uh, late 80 80s period I mean that's just God and a, any artist would, would pray to have that material as their as their you know as the stuff that they release mm-hmm. you know um, it's just that good. Amazing the amount of creativity and, and, and top shelf material that the guy produced during that time. But um, that's all for another show. And uh, we'll leave you with... Thank you.